on Coastal Highway into the redwoods of Northern California and then back along the Columbian River Gorge. It was a beautiful, beautiful trip. We had plenty of opportunities to relax or at least experience a change of scenery. I have a tough time uh, sitting still and relaxing. But uh, I feel refreshed and ready to tackle a busy and exciting fall season. We're already feeling the pace speeding up in the office as we approach the month of September. The first thing in Christmas tree practice is only two weeks away, and I'm not ready yet, but I will be. I'm excited about Pastor Gary Jr. Uh, starting the office this week. We need his help, and we look forward to him joining the team this year. Welcome Sunday is two weeks away. Kids Church is gearing up for another for the next curriculum theme. BG Club is in a month. Small groups will be starting. Youth and young adults ministries will be starting. We begin two Sunday morning services on the 18th of September. We have EAL. We have seniors. On and on. The list goes. We are starting up, and we believe that there is something for everyone to be a part of and involved in. So if you haven't already been recruited, why don't you consider introducing yourself to us and consider volunteering in one of these ministries. It's going to be an exciting season of ministry in Calvary Temple, and it'll become even more exciting for you if you choose to get involved personally. So that's my little plug for the fall, and it actually falls right in line as part of the introduction for my message this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity you've given us to worship you. Father, we thank you for each day we can wake up and we can choose to serve you with our lives. And Father, now as we look at your word, Father, I pray that you open our hearts and our minds to have us know and understand what you'd have us know and understand today. But even more important than knowing and understanding, Father, help us put into practice your word today. We want to be doers of your word and not just hearers. We thank you for your word this morning. In your precious and holy name, amen. Amen. Have you ever felt insignificant or worthless? Have you ever felt like you didn't matter? Ever felt like nobody would even miss you if you just got up and left? I think there have been times for all of us, whether it's been in life generally or a specific situation in life where we felt like we didn't really matter or our opinion didn't count for much. When I was a youth pastor in uh, Winnipeg nearly 20 years ago, I was invited to attend an all-day seminar on youth crime and violence and gangs in Winnipeg. Now, for the most part, I enjoy going to seminars and conferences and retreats when they're church-related. I feel there's something that I can learn from them. Perhaps there is something that I can even contribute to them. But I don't particularly enjoy gatherings that are called together for the sake of community awareness or put on by community organizations. Now, I know that there's an important place for them. We need those kinds of events as well. But I myself don't particularly enjoy attending. That's just the way that I feel. I don't necessarily always find it relevant often to where I am at and what I'm dealing with or even how I would deal with a particular situation. And I usually don't feel that I have anything of any significance that that I could contribute to the conversation that would be heard. So I don't know why I decided to attend this particular all-day conference in Winnipeg. I think they uh, sent me a real fancy invitation with my name on it, and they really made me feel important that they needed me at this session as one of the leaders of young people in the city of Winnipeg. They even sent me a little personalized name tag, a pretty little name tag to wear all day long. So I I go to this session, and I don't know what I expected. (sighs) But when I got there, there was over a thousand other people there, and they were all carrying their special little invitation and wearing their pretty little name tags. 
And we spent the morning listening to a panel express their opinions as how we should deal with the youth violence and crime. I was so bored by the end of the morning that I didn't care what they said anymore. And after lunch, we split into small groups so that we could express our opinions to each other as what should be done. Well, I didn't want to have to say anything out loud. So at this point, I said I had enough, and I took my little name tag, and I snuck out of there. And I remember feeling so relieved as soon as I got out of that building where the conference was being held. I felt free all of a sudden. And you know what I found out afterwards? No one even knew that I left. No one cared. I watched the news later that night, and I saw a report on what took place at the conference on youth crime and violence in Winnipeg, and they didn't even mention my name. They didn't report that shortly after lunch, we regret to mention that Vern Kratz left the premises and we were without his opinion. Nothing about it at all. And I felt very insignificant and unimportant. I think each one of us have been in situations where we felt like we didn't matter. But listen to this. I am here to remind each of us this morning that we do matter. Each one of us here this morning is important. Each one of us here today has a purpose. Now, you may not have discovered your full purpose yet, but you do have a purpose. God has a very specific purpose, a very specific plan for each one of us here today. So what is your purpose? I believe with all my heart there is a job for every one of us to do. If you want to help out with the ministry or program of the church, have no fear. We can find you a job to do. If you do not know what ministries are available, or perhaps you don't know where you would best fit into the big picture, let us help you discover where you fit and how you can help out being a part of this adventure with us. As we enter another fall season, there's a lot of work to be done. There are ministry positions that need to be filled or they will leave holes in that particular program. We need to pitch in together to see the ministry of the church go forward and get the job done for the glory of God. There is a job that each one of us can do. Each one of us has a purpose. I remember doing science experiments in school. And before you did the experiment, you always had to write down your purpose or your objective. There had to be a purpose to the experiment or there was no point in performing the experiment. When I got a little older and started writing papers for college and for university, I was taught that somewhere in your introduction you should state your thesis. And your thesis should be something that can be stated in a sentence or two. The, the thesis was your statement of purpose for your paper. Whether I was commenting on a topic or trying to prove something or argue a point in my paper, I had to write down my purpose very clearly at the beginning, or the paper was useless. It was just rambling on and on with no direction. Our sense of purpose and our desire to know our purpose is something that has intrigued humankind since the beginning of time and has evoked some of the very big questions of life, like, why do I exist? Why am I here? What is my purpose? These are questions that people have been asking forever. And if you're here this morning, and if you have a relationship with God, if you are on that faith journey, if you're a Christian or a Christ follower, if that is you, then you have some of the answers to these big questions today. You have been given a purpose, and it's been outlined for us in God's Word. It's hard to believe. When I look back on this, I found it hard to believe that it's been nearly 10 years now since the popular book, The Purpose Driven Life, was published. It was written by Rick Warren, and if you've never read it, I encourage you to do so. It's an easy read, and this will come as a surprise to some of you. I'm not a reader, actually. I have to discipline myself 
to read. And this particular book is an easy read. I believe it's broken down into 40 short chapters. And even if you just read one short chapter a day, you have something to think about and mull over in your mind throughout the day. In fact, I believe the book was designed to be read that way. Because I'm not a reader, it's not often that I look at a book and immediately get drawn into it. But I can remember being handed this book, and I just read a few of the chapter headings and even the very first sentence, and it just grabbed my attention, so I went out and bought a copy for myself. And the very first line of this book puts the Christian life into perspective for us. The very first sentence the author wrote was this, It's not about you. It's not about you. I thought, wow, that's a, that's a pretty bold way to begin a book. But then you think about it. Doesn't that statement put everything into proper focus for us? How easy it is for us to forget that it's not about us. In fact, it never was about us. It has been and always will be about God. I'm sure many of you have read the book. Indulge me and let me read you the first paragraph of that book again. It says, it's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by His purpose and for His purpose. I need to be reminded of that time and time again. I believe there would be many more content and happy people in this world if they just realized it never was about them in the first place. Rick Warren never came up with that idea all by himself. It's found in the Bible for us, uh, it, for us in the book of Colossians, which says this, For by him, and this is talking about uh, this is God, for by God all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. We were created by God and for God. And if you're a Christian or a Christ follower, then I believe there are a few things that God has given you to do. They are our purpose. They are why we are here. They are why we were created. And one of the things that we have been given to do is to worship God and bring glory to His name. Do you realize that you were created to praise God? That is one of your purposes. It says in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. We have been set apart to declare His praises. Isaiah wrote in chapter 43 and verse 21, The people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. God formed us so that we would proclaim His praise. That's why He created us. Psalm 150 verse 1 simply says this, Praise the Lord. I don't know if you've read these verses before or not. If you have, then you've seen that God never asks us to praise Him. He commands us to praise Him. And why does God demand our praise? Why does He command us to do that? Is He some kind of egomaniac who feeds off the worship of others? No, it's not that. God, in fact, in fact, God doesn't need our praises at all. But God knows that we need to praise Him. Ultimately, praise doesn't benefit God. We sang and we spent time in praise and worship this morning as we do each Sunday morning. Why do we do that? We know our worship is directed towards God, but we are the ones who benefit from the worship experience. You see, God is God, whether we choose to worship and praise Him or not. 
Whether you chose to enter into worship this morning or whether you chose to be on the sidelines and watch others participate doesn't change who God is. God is God. God will still be God. But you see, God has commanded us to praise Him for our own good. Because it's not until we praise God that we'll be able to come into a proper relationship with Him. Without a thankful and praising heart and attitude, we will never grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. Each time we gather together and worship, and the worship leader gets up and encourages us to enter into worship, remember that, yes, our worship is to be directed towards God and God alone, but it is we who get to benefit from worshiping God. I think that is so cool. And that should affect our attitude and our worship. It should make us desire to worship God even more. God commands us to praise Him. It is one of the reasons we were created. It is one of our purposes. And yet, it's for our benefit. A second reason we were created, or a second purpose, and the one that I want to spend a little longer developing this morning, is found in Ephesians 2 and verse 10. And it says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were created to do good works. If you do not know why you're here today, if you don't know why you exist, wonder no longer. We were created to do good works. It is our stated purpose, a purpose given to us by God himself. When you wake up in the morning, don't ask yourself, what am I going to do today? Rather, make a statement, today I am going to do a good work because that is my purpose. As fall time approaches, one of the biggest tasks of the pastoral staff is to make sure that all the holes are filled and the ministries are being done. We make the worship schedules, recruit kids, ministry staff, nursery staff, small group leaders, youth leaders need to be recruited and trained. There's ushers and greeters and prayer teams and on and on. The list goes of ministries, positions that need to be filled. And all the different responsibilities of the church need to be organized. And it's our job to make sure there is someone in each position or at least designate someone to look for a person to fill that position and on and on it goes. And thankfully as we approach this fall, many, many people have been willing to help out and get plugged in somewhere. There are still some holes to fill, but we're, we're getting there. And, and even if every position was filled, we still look for more people to get involved so that we can train them so they can help share in the ongoing work and ministry of the church. Just to give you a few examples or ideas, the Kids Church Department alone takes well over 25 volunteer staff in different ministry positions to run that program effectively. Our music department already has over 40 volunteers who give of their time to the music ministry. And as the Singing Christmas Tree starts up, we'll be recruiting over 100 volunteers. These are just a few of the many examples here in Calvary Temple. And the ministries of this church are so diverse, from music to teaching to helping to administration to computer work to maintenance to children to youth to seniors, on and on the list goes of types of ministry that are available for each of us to get involved in. That is why I say with no hesitation that no matter what your gifting is, I believe there is a place that you can fit into the ministry of the church. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has a place. Never feel insignificant or feel that there isn't something that you can do. And the first word that I want us to look at from Ephesians 2 and verse 10 is the word workmanship. We are God's workmanship. The word workmanship here comes from a Greek word that gives the connotation of being a work of art. We are God's work of art. We are a part of God's art gallery. 
I like that. I'm a work of art. You are a work of art. Don't ever feel insignificant today. You are a piece of art. And not just anyone's artwork. You are God's artwork. I, I liked picking up my kids from school when they were in their early elementary school years. And one of the things I enjoyed doing was checking out the bulletin board in the hallway of the school just outside the classroom where the teacher hung all the students' artwork and the students proudly displayed what they had made and scrawled their name on the corner so they knew exactly, you knew exactly who made it. And when each of my children was in kindergarten, I remember waiting and checking the bulletin board every day to see what they had made. What new piece of artwork would be up on the wall? And I remember reading through all the names and trying to find the names of my children. And you know, it didn't matter if it was just a bunch of scribbles or if they went outside the lines or if I couldn't tell exactly what it was supposed to be. It was always the most beautiful picture on the wall to me. Why? Because it had my child's name on it. Now listen to this. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, and we read how we were created in the image of God. And we were made in God's image. And he stamped his impression on us. We bear his likeness. And it's like I'm pinned up on this big bulletin board as a piece of artwork. But the name scratched in the corner isn't Johnny or Sally or Jimmy. It's G-O-D, God. God has printed his name on me. I'm his artwork. Isn't that amazing? Feel good about yourself today. God made you and you're hanging in God's art gallery. I have to be honest with you today, though. I find art galleries very boring. I'll go to a museum once in a while, those I find interesting, learning about history, but art galleries, paintings, especially modern art, uh, modern art, art that looks like it was painted by a four-year-old, boring. We went to an outdoor art gallery in Seattle during our vacation. It was so weird, it just turned into a very quick walkthrough. But you see, we aren't in a normal art gallery. We are works in progress. I don't like looking at art, but it's very interesting to watch art being made. It's fascinating to watch a sculptor sculpt. It doesn't thrill me to look at a piece of pottery, but to watch the potter turn a lump of clay into something beautiful and useful and watch it being transformed right in front of your eyes is amazing. And watching a sculptor turn a a plain rock into a beautiful figurine. During the last two Easter presentations here in Calvary Temple, we've included a local artist, Weming Chow. Weming attends this church, and and he's agreed to paint an Easter-themed picture right here during the service. Now, the final product was beautiful, and one of them is hanging in our foyer. We still have to mount the second one. But even more interesting was watching and actually seeing the picture develop on the canvas right in front of our eyes. It was a work in progress, and you weren't sure what the final product was going to be. You see, we just aren't in an art gallery that people come to gawk at and ooh and ah. We are works of art in progress. We're becoming perfected and finished. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. God is not finished with me yet. He's not finished with you yet. And he who began a good work in me will carry it on unto completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Not only are we artwork in progress we are art with a purpose 
Not something that sits on a shelf or something that hangs on a wall, but something with a purpose. Like a piece of pottery that used, that's used to contain things or to be poured out from, or a tool with some specific purpose for the glory of God. We are God's workmanship. We are art in progress, and we are art with a purpose. And our purpose is to do good works, which is the second thing I want to look at from Ephesians 2, verse 10. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I have a few heroes that I admire. And one of them is a man named Mark Buntain. He's a missionary to Calcutta, India. My other hero is Mother Teresa, who is also coincidentally a missionary to India, and both did similar work. Calcutta has been called a lot of terrible things. It's probably one of the most impoverished places on earth. And while it is the home to millions of people, most of those millions live in the gutters and in cardboard boxes, and Calcutta has been called at times the cesspool of the world. And I wrote a paper in college on Mark Buntain, who died in the, in the 1980s. And as I studied his life, tears would come to my eyes as I read and learned of a man whose life ambition was to find the dying and pick them up out of the gutter and clean them up and tell them of the love of Jesus. And most times they were too far gone physically that no modern medicine was going to be of any use to them. But instead of dying in the gutter, they would die with dignity, with clean clothes on, in a clean room, surrounded by people who were expressing the love of Jesus the best way they knew how. Mother Teresa died in the 1990s and did similar work to that of Mark Buntain. And it's one of her quotes that is uh, one of my all-time favorite quotes, and you may have heard this before. She said this, People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies, but succeed anyway. If you are are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, there may be jealousy. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you have got anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it is between you and God. It never was between you and them anyway. What a humble spirit. What an amazing will to do God's work no matter what. She was someone who realized why she had been created. She was created to do good works. We have been created to do good works. We need to be careful because there are a lot of people who believe that their relationship with God is dependent on the good works that they do. You don't buy your relationship with God by doing good works. God doesn't love you any more or any less based on the number of good deeds that you do. Good works don't get you into heaven. In fact, verses 8 and 9 of the same chapter in the book of Ephesians, it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works. It says it's not by works so that no one can boast. You see, none of us came into a relationship with God by doing good works. Our good works are a sign that we are following God. They are an expression of our love to God. God has a purpose for you to do good works or to express your love to God. It is one thing to know in your heart that you love someone, but it's completely another thing to actually say those words out loud. I love you. And it's another thing still to put our love into action and express our love to someone. 
And it's one thing to have begun a journey of faith and know in your heart that you love God, but it's another thing to actually tell God that you love Him. And it's another thing still to express your love to Him. And one of the ways that we express our love to God is by doing good works. So what good works can you do? Where can you plug in? Again, I believe there's a ministry or a good work to do for every believer. I don't understand how some Christians find themselves being bored with nothing to do. I I don't get that. When it comes to the Christian life and ministry, I'm never bored. There have been some times I've been looking for ways to do less because I was too busy and I wasn't getting everything done. I usually don't have time to be lazy. So I don't understand Christians who come to me and say they are bored with nothing to do. Get a job. Now, we need to be careful because I believe there can come a point where we're doing too much. There used to be a saying going around the church that said, better to burn out for the Lord than to rust out. I don't believe that slogan is healthy. I don't think that slogan is biblical either. I don't think we should sit around idly all day until we rust out as Christians, but I don't believe God ever intended us to become burnt out either. In fact, if we burn out, I believe there is something that we have not kept in balance in our lives. We need to keep balance in our Christian walk. Finally, this morning, not only were we created to do good works, but good works that God prepared in advance to do. And that just boggles my mind. God has prepared in advance a specific work for me to do. In fact, He doesn't have another plan to get the job done. We're it. He has prepared good works for us to do, and if we don't do them, He doesn't have another plan. It's not really my intention of making anyone feel guilty this morning. Or maybe it is. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with making someone feel guilty who, who needs to feel guilty. If someone's preaching is making you feel uncomfortable, so be it. It's been said that the preaching of God's word should bring comfort to the comfortless and a little discomfort to the comfortable. So if you're here this morning and you're feeling a little uncomfortable and like you need a job, that's good. But I don't want any, what I don't want to happen this morning is someone who already has too much work on their plate me feel, made feel guilty and try to take another task on and burn out. So if you ever wonder, have you ever wondered what's not getting done because you're not doing it? Think about that for a moment. God doesn't have another plan. God designed a specific task for you to do. If you don't do it, it doesn't get done. So what jobs aren't getting done because we aren't doing them? That should make us feel a little guilty, I guess. I can't pretend this morning to understand God's sovereignty and His foreknowledge. I don't know how all that works. But I do know He has a perfect will for each one of our lives that we need to walk in. And in His perfect will, He has good works specifically for each one of us to do. Now we need to go through a process of discovering the work that God has for us to do. Start by looking at what you're gifted at when you do that. Don't start by looking for the obscure. Look for the obvious. There's no point in trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. If you can't sing, don't spend a long time seeking the face of God as to whether or not music ministry is for you. If children give you high blood pressure and send you into fits of rage, don't sign up for children's ministry. Don't help out downstairs. If you can't type or record things accurately, don't wonder if you're called to be an administrator. If you can't count or add, don't be a treasurer. 
God has equipped us with some common sense to be used in discovering God's will for our lives. If God has gifted you in a certain area, how are you doing in those gifts? That should be of greater concern to us than trying to learn some new talent. How are we doing with the gifts that God has given us? In closing this morning, God has given us gifts and talents and abilities and responsibilities, whatever you want to call them. How are we doing with those abilities? If we're not using those abilities, if we're choosing to go our own way, then our relationship with God is not where it should be and we're not receiving His blessing in our lives. God is a good God. God is a good God. And He desires to pour out of Himself into us, into our lives. And we deprive ourselves of so many of God's blessings when we choose not to fulfill the ministries that God has for us. We miss out on God's blessings when we think there may be a better way than God's plan and we choose to do our own thing. Don't miss out on God's blessings today. Each one of us has a purpose. We've been created to praise God. We've been created to do good works, good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. He knows our abilities and gives us only what we can handle. If we follow through on His plan for our lives, then we will be blessed. I've included for you in your newsletters today a copy of all the different verses and passages of Scripture and a couple of those larger quotes from my message this morning. Just challenge you to, when you have some time, just reread those and let God's Word just continue to penetrate your heart as you consider what your purpose is, as you consider what it is that God would specifically have you do. Let those passages penetrate. Let's pray together. Worship team, come as I pray. Father, we thank you for your Word today.